When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Pride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Gav Buckland, and Sam Carroll as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. Looking back at an impressive victory at Leicester City and looking ahead to a big game on Saturday evening at Goodison 2000 fans in for the visit of Arsenal and of course it is Friday as we are recording and as usual Carlo Ancelotti has done his pre-match press conference this afternoon at French Farm. Plenty of talking points to go from that so we will start there and uh, just before we came on air the, uh, we were discussing the injury news. James Coleman back in contention Preno. No hammers. Um, again Carlo not prepared to take the risk. Um, we'll start with those two for the, for, for the moment. Seamus, does he come back in or, or does Carlo, is he duty-bound to, to stick with a, a winning team and an impressive winning team is, is that as well? It, it's a tough, tough question, this one. I mean, uh, Carlo sort of half did what we wanted him to do on Wednesday. I've called for consistency in defence. Uh, can't make any changes at the back because they played so well defensively against Chelsea. And as we said, that familiarity, you know, so just breeds so much more solidity. So I was delighted to see the same back four, but very, very surprised to see changes. Uh, sorry, uh, the same again further forward. I thought that, you know, at least two or three people would change. And maybe we should have done, you know, so bearing in mind, you know, so what happened with Alan? Uh, but for this one, I don't know. If he does make changes elsewhere, I still don't think you should at the back. I think when you've had back-to-back clean sheets, and okay, I'm get, guessing that the goalkeeper will change, you know, so Pickford will come back in again. But the actual back four itself, no, why would you change it when it's looked so solid? When they're actually, you know, sort of getting to know each other as game better and better. And there's just like a, an air of reassurance about the uh, the side now. And uh, no doubt, you know, we'll come on to, you know, so how much Hammers' uh, absence may or may not have contributed to that. Uh, but the fact that that flat back four has played so well together, I wouldn't change it. And that may sound harsh on Seamus Coleman, but, you know, so be it. You know, you, you can't change a side that's uh, kept clean sheets in two, two such difficult games. And hey, you know, so we've got a cup tie only three, four days later. So, you know, that may be the opportunity for Seamus to come back in. But no, personally, I wouldn't. I, I would leave well alone and leave the back four as it is. Gav, Carlo was asked uh, an interesting question at the press conference. Uh, wasn't one of mine, obviously, because it was interesting. Um, <laughs> is, are Everton better defensively without Hammers? And he started laughing, but basically said, basically said no, because we defend as a team and etc. Et but he, so he wasn't publicly, at least, accepting that Everton have defended better in, in Hammers' absence. Do, do you think we are better defensively without Hammers in the team? Um. There's, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose the question there is, uh, is the formation we play when Hammers is not in the team better for us defensively than when Hammers is in the team, if you know what I mean? Which mm. it quite, paper, quite patently is, isn't it? If you play 4-2-3-4, 4-2-3-4, we had a great formation. 4-2-3-1 or 4-5, whatever you call it, you do look more solid, don't we? You just 
that's just that you know it's it's inherently a bit more of a cautious formation than the four three three, as we've seen. So uh, yes, but that is because a team and the setup, isn't it? So yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what the whoever you know the question was angled at is whoever's come in for Hammers, does do they defend better? Isn't it really? But mm. it's it's the formation, isn't it for me? It's it, the formation we we we, we uh, look far better with the with the four five one or four two three one than four three three defensively, um, and uh, that's been shown, hasn't it? As Prano said, two clean sheets, and um, be interesting to see what happens on on Saturday. For me, I, I keep the same. I won't change the defence at all. Okay. I'd leave it as is. Uh, Sam, you were uh, sat socially distanced next to me uh, on Wednesday night at Leicester. Um, what impressed you most about that victory? I think it was just how we we look like a, a proper team. I always say that it always feels when you watch Everton like you know when we're going to lose or you know when we're about to concede a goal. But equally, sometimes it feels like you can know when we're going to play well. I think I said said to you. Uh, just before the, the first goal, you know, saying we're, we're doing all right here, didn't we? Leicester win, probably the threat that I'd expected them to be. Jimmy Vardy, I think, had one chance from a header, didn't he? Where I think probably the only time in the whole game where uh, Godfrey got done on his side and and Vardy kind of took up those, that space in between Holgate and uh, Yeti Mina. And, and when, you know, did have a free header and luckily it went straight down Olsen's throat. But apart from that, they, they hadn't troubled us. And, you know, I think... That, that performance there, you know, we, we looked like the side that we that we thought we, we were going to be at the start of the season, I think, and probably the closest performance that resembled uh, the Tottenham game at the start of the season and, and made even more impressive by the fact that Alan, who was, you know, having having a really, really good game in, in the centre of the field, went off and, 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 you know, that could have threw us out of our rhythm a little bit, but it didn't, and I thought, I thought we were equally good in the second half, and it, it was just the perfect away performance, wasn't it? So, to, to, to have six points, uh, three goals and, and, and non-conceded against Chelsea and Leicester in the space of a couple of days, it's completely swung the, the pendulum of our season again. So, you know, if we play like that away from home every game, there's not going to be many teams that, that beat Everton because we've proven that we can be defensively solid when, when we have to be. But equally, we're a threat. We're a threat from set pieces. And when you've got magic men like Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin, you've, you've always got a chance of getting a goal from nothing like like what Richarlison did and you know he deserved that goal and I think he needed that goal so it was just a, a great all-round night a, a, a really enjoyable night as well. Preno, Sam mentions Alan there and obviously you know injuries no injury comes at a good time of course but yeah. it seems to have come at a particularly bad time because Alan for me had just started to rediscover that level of performance that he showed everybody against Spurs on the opening day. And it felt like after a little bit of a difficult period where we, you know, we, we had wondered and questioned his performances on, the, on this podcast. It felt like he was really starting to find his rhythm again. It's, it's, it's a huge blow. No doubt whatsoever about that. I mean, um, any kind of hamstring problem, you know, it's, it's generally at least five or six weeks. And so, you know, who, who knows how many games that will mean he misses. I mean, I suppose the, the positive way of looking at it is that Abdullah Decore absolutely flourished. Uh, he was playing well anyway, uh, but then, you know, in a slightly, you know, tweaked, revised role, 
performed even better and looked absolutely superb. So there's always positives, you know, to, to somebody getting injured. And if you think about what's happened over the last few weeks, I mean, we've had injuries to really key figures. Um, I mean, Luca Dina, who'd have thought we'd have, you know, overcome his absence as well as we have done, uh, you know, Seamus Coleman, you know, so being missing. And now Alan's added to that list. So there will be positives. I mean, we've got a squad. We've got players that can come in. They're not going to be the same quality as Alan. We, we know that. Um, but there's an opportunity there for maybe Gilfie Sigurdsson to do in a different role, Tom Davis possibly, you know, sort of come in. You know, there are options, uh, but th there's no doubt it's a blow, you know, whatsoever. And possibly this is the opportunity now for Decore to absolutely step up to the pedestal and absolutely shine. I mean, he's been, you know, one of the, the unsung heroes of the season so far already. Uh, deservedly got the plaudits on Wednesday night. Uh, you know, he's made man of the match on the television and deservedly so. And uh, maybe it's an opportunity for him now. And then, of course, we've got the uh, the spectre of Gabamon in the background, you know, still, you know, hovering. Uh, so may or may not be available for selection, you know, sometime in the new year. So we will see. But yeah, you can't disguise it. it, it it's a blow. But the positive is that um, Carlo has proved he can overcome the blows of even the most key personnel in recent weeks uh, and turn them into positives. Gavin, you know, in many examples of why we, we signed Abdullah Dekore and, and had been trying to sign him for two years. But when when he's described as box to box, I think he almost literally did that on, on Wednesday night, didn't he? Mainly in our box, but he was he was uh, yeah. he was excellent, wasn't he? Oh, superb. Well, I thought it was a superb team performance, full stop. So I mean there were several, you know, several players with with top quality on on, on you know on Leicester. Yeah, I, I get what I was saying. I think I think Decore and Allen look better in a four four two three one because they've got Sigerson in front of them. And in four three three, they can get Cuff up the pitch, can't they? And uh, after after come back on, they can be play a little bit differently when Sigerson's in front of them. They can be a bit more disciplined, uh, and um, that's why I think why we defensively we look better in in this formation. Um, as well, it's not just the defence; it's that the two, the two, the core and Allen look better suited to it as well. Um, yeah, and I thought he was superb, the core on on Wednesday. A couple of iffy passes, but that's just the nature of the game. And a couple of great tackles in our box where he's nicked, nicked the ball back, hasn't he? When they left looked as though they were going to um, going to threaten. And I, I thought that was his best game for us on on on. Uh, was it Wednesday? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but not necessarily in the role, as you say. That the good thing is not necessarily in the role that you would expect them to be. You'd expect them to be more effective up the, the other end of the pitch in his better games. But I thought I thought he'd had the game brilliantly. He was there. I don't think it, in the game he was ever caught out of position that any anyone. He always, he always appeared to be where he needed to be when we expected him to be. And I thought he was brilliant on Wednesday. In, in, a, in a superb team performance, so you know we've got to give credit to everybody else there. Absolutely, Sam. So, how does Carlo uh, replace Alan tomorrow night for the visit of Arsenal? It's a tough one, isn't it? I don't think uh, I don't think Gomez was at his best when he when he came on against uh, against Leicester. So, there's not a lot else he can. He can really do though, is there? I don't think at this at this point in time. It's the it's kind of wish it was we could fast forward maybe four four weeks or so and and, and see what Gene Philippe Jabaman was all about. But it's probably gonna have to be, you know, the, the core moving back a little step, you know, 
or, or doing the box to box role that he was so good in on on Wednesday night, and and then you have Sigurdsson and, and Gomez alongside them, or you know Gomez alongside Decore with Sigurdsson just just ahead of them. So a, a big chance for for Andre Gomez. I think it, it stands to feel more uh, now or never for him. I think you know we all appreciate that he had that really bad injury, and and everyone's given him. Well, I know it's only a year a year later, but it kind of feels like he hasn't shown that form that he did when he first signed for us, and he and he was dominating games for quite a while now. And and I really hope that there's a silver line to this Allen injury because Allen was playing so well for Gomez to. I think I just want to see him take on a bit more responsibility and a little bit more, you know, to to recognise his importance to the team. I, I feel like it's something Sigurdsson's done certainly over the last two games to to kind of say. You know, look, you, you're an experienced player. You're you're an expensive player. Uh, you know, and, and you're an important player who's got a, a key job to do. And you know, to to move the ball forward a little bit more, to try and move forward with the ball a little bit more, and be a little bit more progressive in his thinking, uh, is is certainly what I want to see. So, uh, it's a big test, but you can't change it too much, can you? So it's, it's probably going to have to be Gomez, Decore, and uh, Sigurdsson, unless Carlo's got a another change up his sleeve, but. Uh, another big chance for for Andre and 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 a chance for Sigurdsson to continue is good form. I think me and I think me and Preno have always stuck up for him a little bit on this podcast, and he has had a couple of good games. So hopefully he can make it a, a hat trick of good performances in there. Mm. Preno, in, in terms of trying to guess or second guess how Carlo might replace Ancelotti, do we do we totally overlook the idea? That Mason Holgate could step forward, Seamus Coleman come back in at right back, and Mason could play alongside Decore in midfield. Uh, uh, yeah, I would dismiss that. I mean, uh, Holgate has done, you know, a, a couple of cameo roles there, and he's done okay. You know, so was at Old Trafford last season. You know, where he basically, you know, sort of stuck like glue to it was it playing alongside him. Uh, you know, he basically looked like a central midfield, a central, central defender. It was playing out of position and, you know, sort of taking baby steps and, you know, sort of trying just to keep it as simple as humanly possible. Um, I think there will be changes tomorrow. Uh, I know it sounds a bit strange given we've had two such positive performances back to back, but the games that are coming thick and fast and we've got a cup quarterfinal on the Wednesday, mm. a very winnable game on Boxing Day. So, you know, it's you'd expect two or three changes, you know, in tweaks. And Carlo himself has said that, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has to have a rest at some stage. Uh, and you can't really call what he got on Wednesday night as a rest. Was it the 91st minute when he, uh, <laughs> he finally made way? Uh, so I think there might be one or two little tweaks. Don't think Mason Holgate, you know, sort of moving anywhere will be one of them. Like I say, for the reasons outlined earlier, I think the back four should remain uh, as one and as solid as possible. Seamus, can he do a role further forward? No, I wouldn't have thought so. You know, he's a, he's a right back and he's a right back alone. Um, but there will be tweaks here and there. Uh, I just don't think, think it's going to involve Mason. I just think that, that back forward played so well over the last uh, two games. And it's been a slight change of emphasis as well. Um, we've looked more defensively cautious. You know, so, sorry, more, uh, I don't know, um, less offensively enterprising, if you like. We've, you know, we've, we've tried to be a little bit more staid, a little bit more solid, a little bit more resolute, and it's been better for us. Um, you know, so played two teams who are very, very capable of scoring. I know Leicester are different on their own patch. The, you know, the uh, classic counter-attacking team. We never allowed them to do that. Uh, but it's going to be different on Saturday because Arsenal are the kind of team that you know are going through such an awful spell at the moment that you need to get at them as quick as possible and try and create opportunities. And if you like, 
be the Everton that we were prior to these two games being a little bit more expansive, if you like. Uh, but, you know, Carlo will be aware of all that. He'll have his uh, game plan already, you know, so up his sleeve and know exactly what he's going to do. I think we'll see one or two changes, but nothing wholesale, I don't think. Gav, one change that Carlo has promised is that Jordan Pickford will return in goal. Obviously, he was rested on Wednesday night, Robin Olsen coming in. Um, so it's yeah. the second time Carlo, Carlo's done it now. And, and, you know, taking what Carlo says uh, at face value, value it's rotation is something that he, he's done before in his career with his goalkeepers and something that he will do, um, he will do again. Um, it, it, I think it, for a lot of people, it's a little bit of an alien concept and, and I think many supporters perhaps are a little bit sort of uncomfortable maybe with, with the idea of changing a goalkeeper week to week. What's your thoughts on it? Rightly so. I don't see the point, uh, to be honest with you. Um, you said that when Olsen came in, but was it Southampton? Did he play? Was Newcastle, it? Newcastle, Newcastle. Yeah, it seemed a bit of a strange one then. Uh, seems even stranger now. Having come back a second time, and let's face it, he's looked solid, hasn't he? In both games, he's looked assured. I mean, to be fair, we've we've on we protected them well on Wednesday. Um, uh, just to do, who is the better goalkeeper for Everton at the moment and play there? I, 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 don't, I don't see why goalkeepers should be subject to slightly different new 12 fielders. Do you, do you swap? I mean, I know we have done, but for the injury reasons, you swap your right back every game, yeah. different game time. I just don't, uh, I don't see the, the, the point of it really, um, Phil. I mean, I appreciate where Carl is coming from, but slightly different for goalkeepers, obviously, but. I just don't think uh, I, I just don't agree with it. I, I personally will play Olsen tomorrow at the weekend because I thought I thought in the two games he's looked really assured and uh, capable, and uh, he's got a bit of presence about him. So I don't see any reason why he wouldn't play him tomorrow. It's a, it's, a, it's a strange one. I mean, I think Jordan was excellent against Chelsea. Absolutely superb. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but if you remember in that game, I mean, he slipped to halfway through the second half and looked like he pulled his groin. And it was certainly struggling, uh, kicking for three or four minutes afterwards. So to me, I, when I saw the team, she's, I thought, oh, well, you know, he's protecting his groin. You know, it's just, you know, an obvious, you know, I don't know, just being cautious, just saving him the possibility of him getting injured. But to not say that, to come out afterwards and just say, oh, no, 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 it was rotation. Surprised me. There was the obvious get-out for him there. So maybe he's just trying to keep Jordan on his toes. But, yeah, I agree with you, Gav. It's a strange way of doing it when you just played so well uh, to then leave him out. And also, yeah, yeah. I didn't have a great deal to do, to be fair, on Wednesday. What he did, he did very well. I mean, he was much more impressive at Newcastle, you know, where he did make some very, very good saves. Yeah. Uh, he had to. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a strange one. But, hey, clean sheet. I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah. I don't get it, but that's why Carlo's there and yeah. <laughs> I'm podcasting, you know. And, you, and you're on the podcast, yeah. Podcast, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got a top class keeper on the on the podcast, of course. Don't like well, <laughs> Gav yeah. neatly segued way to Sam, and yeah. Sam is going to play as, as our as our resident goalkeeper. Um, what's your take on on the rotation system employed by uh, by Carlo? Well, as a former. Can I, can I call myself professional? Probably could say I was professional, wouldn't I, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go with it. Did you get paid? <laughs> no, no. Well, there, you're not. Um, no. <laughs> I think the, the press conference today was quite interesting, wasn't it, when Carlos said that he started at Real Madrid with uh, Diego Lopez and, and Ike Casillas, and, and it's because he thinks there's 
there's less chance of making a mistake. But I don't know. It kind of does feel like you don't have confidence in either one or either of them. You did to... say, did, 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 sorry, Santi, did I, I, I was I, I might have misunderstood what Carlos said, but did he say at one point, if you sat on the bench, you don't make mistakes? Basically, yeah. What, yeah. What did he say? Or did he say that if you sat on the bench and you're coming cold, you're more likely to make mistakes? It was right. Sorry, oh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't totally sure on, on the point he was trying to make, but I, I honestly don't. I, I don't. I think in an ideal world, you have your number one, don't you? And, and you have your number two who's happy to come in and sit on the bench, and, and that's the way you know Premier League football certainly should work in, in an ideal world, but. At the moment, you know, we, we know that Jordan's struggles over the last maybe 18 months have been well documented. And, and maybe this is Carlo's way of giving them that extra little kick up the bum for, for want of a better phrase. But at the same time, it is quite odd timing because he's probably played some of his best Everton matches over the last five or six weeks coinciding with that Newcastle game. So for Jonas to, uh, sorry, for definitely wasn't Jonas Lossel who played on here on Wednesday, for, for Robin Olsen to come, to come in. Um, and and he played equally well, didn't he? I I think he is a, a calm presence. He's a he's a big unit, and apart from that one little kind of miscommunication he had with Mina, he was unflappable, and, and you know without doing anything spectacular, he had a good game. So yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what's what's going to happen from there. You know, I'd imagine Pickford will play, you know, the Arsenal game and then the Manchester United game because that's such a big game. But it does seem like this rotation is going to continue until. The end of the season. So, what what the what what's the thinking beyond the end of the season when Olsen's loan ends is is probably the the bigger question for Carlo at the moment. Yeah, just just add on to that point, uh, Phil. That, that's mm. I'm saying that it's one thing about taking the keep, keepers at Real Madrid, isn't it? Where the ninety percent of the games, all about the ball's going to be at the other end of the pitch, and you're giving the goalie some sort of game time just to get used to the atmosphere and stuff. It's another thing in the Premier League where you're going to be busy most games, isn't it? If you're an Everton keeper, you know, you can afford to do it at Real Madrid. At Everton, it's a slightly different ask, isn't it? A uh, different scenario. So I'm not sure comparing Real Madrid and Everton is maybe the best, uh, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're doing it because you did it at Real Madrid. I'm not sure that's the best, you know, comparison, to be honest with you. And it just, mm. just doesn't work for me, just to be fair, but... Before before we move on, last a last one, and I think uh, on on Jordan and in the rotation, and you mentioned you know, perhaps it was a decision to keep Jordan on his toes. You know, and, and something that Sam sort of half alluded to. It, you know, it seems to me it's, if it's a something to keep Jordan mentally sharp, and maybe because as Sam said, Jordan's actually played really well the last couple of games. Is is there any any sort of thought or school of thought that, that Carlo's gone? Yeah, you have been playing really well, but I just want to rein you in because it's it's maybe the concentration and and I hasten to say maybe moments of complacency which have undone Pickford in moments at Everton. It's an interesting angle that yeah, and um, awful lot of psychology uh, involved in football nowadays. Uh, so maybe it is something to do with that. Um, there's a it's it's a dual-edged sword really, isn't it? You know, so he's had such a good performance. And so the possibility of him bouncing out at Leicester and you know, so wanting to get involved in everything is taken away. Just no, no, just sit in the stand and just you know, so watch how Robin Olsen does it. So maybe that's uh, part of it. Uh, don't necessarily agree. I'd like to see the continuity because uh, uh, whilst preaching the clapback for staying the same, 
I think the goalkeeper also staying the same behind him contributes to that. And, you know, the, the more you play together, the more you understand each other's game, the more you understand when the goalkeeper is going to come off his line and he's going to stay on his line, you know, so which way he's going to kick and so on and so on. So I think that's part of it. So personally, my preference would have been for him to have remained. But maybe that is an explanation for us because clearly it wasn't anything to do with Barrier. That's good groin that we, we spotted on a, on Saturday. So maybe it was a bit, a bit of psychology at work. And hey, it's a clean sheet. And, you know, if uh, Jordan's back in again tomorrow and performs well again, you know, job done. He's being proved correct, as he usually is. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We'll stay with uh, previewing the game before we come on to talk about Carlo's... uh, looming one-year anniversary. Gav, um, Arsenal are uh, not in a, in good shape. Um, how do you assess the challenge um, tomorrow night? It's going to be it's still a tough game, isn't it? It's got good players, Arsenal. Um, they'll be hurting. Um, not one and six, I think, isn't it? I think they've only scored a couple of goals in that time. But they've still got enough enough quality players, haven't they, on, on the pitch to, to give us problems. But I agree with what Penn was saying. I think, given their shows of confidence, I don't think we should sit back tomorrow. I think I'd like to see us on the front foot a little bit more, hmm. uh, to be fair. Um, but they have had some... I mean, the home form's been dreadful, hasn't it? Um, yeah. I don't think they've worn away since the opening day. Um no, I think they won, a, won away at Man United, didn't he? Sorry, he won away at Fulham on the opening day. Um, so, but I think it'll be a challenge. I think I think it'll be a big challenge. They've got good players. Historically, they've got a good record against us as well, haven't they? Um, so I, I think it'll be... I think it's not a gimme by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Well, Gav, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read you back one of the stats that you uh, sent me. Not long before. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just think it's a really interesting yeah, stat. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and perhaps telling of, of, of a pendulum swift uh, shift and perhaps telling of how they've struggled to cope post-Wenger or certainly not, not the, uh, the proposition they once were. Everton have registered uh, only three wins in the last 27 fixes in all competitions with yeah. Arsenal. However... All of Everton's three victories have come in the last eight games at Goodison, which is won three, drawn three, lost two. So it yeah. feels as though the, you know a, a fixture which historically, in modern terms, has been weighted heavily in Arsenal's favour. Yeah. It feels like there's been a bit of a readdress, readdressing of, yeah. of the balance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a bit like Chelsea, isn't it? Never beat Chelsea, Goodison, Donkeys. I think we've won nine of the last fourteen meetings at, at Goodison against them. But yeah, I thought, sorry, fella, I thought the one you got to say there about their presses of Obama, Obama Yang's got four uh, goals and four starts against us. Yes, I thought and that was in, the one you were going to do. And scored in midweek. Yeah, all, yeah. all at the, the Emirates, though, uh, to be fair. But no, I think, it'll be, I think it'll be a really difficult game tomorrow. And it'll be, it'll be, be a challenge, but I want us to be a little bit more kind of said about being not being as offensive. So 
being offensive on Saturday, Saturday evening. Sam, um, Mikel Arteta, of course, appointed, you know, around the same period as Carlo, you know, they've had the same number of games in the Premier League um, since Carlo's return. Um, he's under pressure though, isn't he, Mikel? Um, do you see him? Do you see? You think he's in in real trouble? Do you sense that Arsenal will give him time? You know what? You know, he was obviously somebody who was who was considered to, when we were looking for a manager, of course. I think they'll they'll give him time, but how much time can you can you give? You know, if if we beat them, which hopefully we do, and and I, and I do think we we've, we've got a chance to do that. I think we're a lot stronger than them. Then <laughs> it could be ending. What what are we on? Game week 13, 14, a couple of points above the relegation zone, which. How long can you let that go on for, really, isn't it? I imagine they'll get out of it, but no no one's ever too good to go down. Although I can't see it. Obviously, Arsenal being anywhere near it come the end of the season, but it, it is a strange one. I think I don't think the squad is maybe as good as what they thought it was. It, they did have a good end to last season, won the FA Cup, which is probably buying them a bit of time. But it, it does, again, highlight, you know, it makes the appointment of Carlo Ancelotti even better, you know, just that in itself to get Carlo Ancelotti uh, to Everton, you know, the, the three-time Champions League winner uh, is enough in itself, but I think he was just the right man at the right time, and, and probably there's a few people at Arsenal kicking themselves for not getting Ancelotti themselves, just because you know, Arteta is is showing now what, what a risk that would have been, and, and how it might not, it might have, but it doesn't look like he would have been the man for Everton at all. And I think we, we've struck goals with Carlo. And even, as I was saying to you at Leicester, he's just calm after, you know, win, lose, draw. And I think that rubs off on the supporters and, and the players as well. So we, we've definitely got the better end of the uh, of the deal. But, you know, as a former Everton player, you, you obviously want Mikel Arteta to, to do all right, just not the two games of the season when, when we're playing them. Um, Prano, before before we come on to talk about Carly, Carlo's uh, anniversary at the football club and the things he he, he said to us about his uh, his plans certainly going to next season, Arteta is is the pressure real? Is he is he should he be concerned about his job or do you think you know they've employed Mikel for, for the long term Arsenal? Things can change very very quickly in football, and uh, certainly over Christmas when you've got that many games in such a short space of time. I mean, he was the, you know, the absolute, you know, sort of poster boy for the football club. They wanted him badly. Uh, you know, Pep Guardiola's disciple, the guy that's going to, you know, sort of bring his brand of football to Arsenal, you know, similar to how, how Wenger did all those years ago. And he will need time to do that. But you don't get that kind of time in football. And if he does suffer a bad Christmas, if they have another two or three, you know, sort of games in succession defeated, uh, I think he does need to worry uh, quite seriously. I mean, if they'd have lost on uh, in midweek against Southampton, that would have been five successive home defeats. And that's never happened before in Arsenal's history. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely staggering. Uh, so, you know, treading in uncharted territory there. I mean, as it was, they got back in the drew, but they've lost Gabriel, which I think is a big plus in our favour, by the way, the fact that he's not playing, uh, you know, in mid uh, on Saturday night. If you look at the squad, you know, you automatically see names like Aubameyang and Lacazette, and Kitsabalos, and you think, yeah, you know, they, they've got really good players, but they've also got a lot of players who potentially, you know, sort of will be very good. I'm thinking of like Tierney and Saka, Maitland Niles, you know, they're, they're decent players, but not the kind of players that maybe you're going to rely on week in, week out. David Luiz, you know, so sort of might come in now uh, with, you know, Gabriel being suspended. So 
you know, not the kind of guys that you want in a crisis, maybe. You know, so a lot of younger players who are still unused to this kind of thing. So, yeah, I think he does have reason to be concerned if things continue to go wrong. Ideally, hope they do on Saturday. I mean, um, it, it's strange Arsenal because whenever you see a fixture list in front of you and you, you see Arsenal on there, you automatically think, wow, it's going to be tough because of their reputation, because historically, or what they've always done against us. But we shouldn't be feeling that way. This is a team that's been beaten by Burnley at home, you know, the last last couple of weeks. You know, they are struggling badly. And so it's an opportunity for us to really, you know, sort of take advantage of that that mood that'll be, you know, so in the camp and you know, get a win. And imagine if we can win on Saturday, Chelsea, Leicester, and Arsenal, three games that we'd have looked at and thought, wow, it's going to be tough. Nine points from those games. That'll be a happy Christmas. It's going to be absolutely tremendous, won't it? So, yeah, it's an opportunity, and I think we need to take it. And if that means, you know, basically causing even more harm to Mikel Arteta's future, well, I'm sorry, so be it. It's a doggy dog world football. Just add another point to what Fenno was saying here. I think, like, where it might be slightly different tomorrow is we played, like, back four, but got Godfrey playing left back, who's right footed, but nobody's played with real natural width on the right-hand side against us, have they? I'm just wondering if you do that against us, it gives us a slightly different challenge down that left-hand side, you know? Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they line up uh, tomorrow. But I, I think that's the one one area where that would be concerned for our defence if somebody some real natural width on either side of the pitch, but particularly on, on, on our left. But it's an eminently win, winnable game, isn't it, really, when you look at it? We're, we're starting since 1974, I believe, for Arsenal. Yes, so, that's right, in terms of points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, Interesting. So, yeah, uh, I'll get the lads. And, and where, where did we finish that season, Gav? Ah, uh, well, it is a bit like, I was thinking about this before, so let's go that so It is about like 74-75 this season, isn't it, where the leadership changed hands every oh. week that year, and we finished fourth, didn't we? So I'll take that this year. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, I'll get the lads' predictions at the end as, as, as is customary, but the final part of today's pod, um, we will discuss Carlo's uh, impending one-year anniversary. Of course, it was December the 21st, a Saturday morning as the team prepared to face Arsenal uh, at Goodison. Carlo's appointment was confirmed. Duncan was still in charge that day, but Carlo was in the stands. Carlo uh, kindly giving us some time recently to reflect on that and, and, and mainly look ahead to what he hopes is the next 12 months. Um, Sam, if all goes to Carlo's plan, this season will qualify for Europe, any European competition available. Next season will be genuine top four challenges and there... Therefore, if you're a top four challenger, you're in the title conversation. Unbelievable. It would be, wouldn't it, considering the mood we were all in this time last year, minus a, a week or two. So if, if he can do that to his kind of time frame, then it would be unbelievable. I think it's been a, a, a much-needed year of stability, I think, for Everton fans, you know, even when... You know, we had Allardyce come in for, for a, a bit, didn't we? And I think people just wanted to see the back of him. Silver then came in and had, you know, that torrid first winter where questions were being asked about his future. Um, and then ultimately, you know, ended up getting sacked off the following winter. So there was a good two or three seasons following Cumin where it was all just a little bit up in the air. But, but Ancelotti's brought calmness. Um, you know, he's brought all that experience and acumen 
certainly tactically that he's got, and and he, he seems to be you know one of the world's best man managers. I think it was it was Kachel who came out recently, wasn't it? Said he was his favourite coach because of the way you know he is on a on a human level with players, which you know from a from a Ballon d'Or winner isn't isn't bad praise at all. So I think reflecting on the year past and, and looking at the foundations he's built here. You know, with a bit of help from Marcel Brands and the board and the transfer market, I, I don't think there's any reason why we can't qualify for Europe this season. And then, you know, with, with more smart work, you know, and, and trying to get where we've wanted to go since Marcel Brands came to the club in terms of offloading the rest of the deadwood that we want to, which, you know, we will in the next 12 to 18 months as, as the rest of those contracts expire. With the right signs, there's no reason why we we can't do it. You know, you you look at everyone else in the Premier League. It took Pochettino a couple of years at Spurs. It certainly took Jurgen Klopp two or three years at Liverpool um, to to get to where you know they were in the not even the final form, but 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 moving towards that kind of thing. So you know we know it takes time, but certainly from what we've seen over the last two matches, and I think what is you know the most heartening thing for Everton fans is, is there certainly seems to be a an end game and a point to it and and where Ancelotti wants to go. I think there was too many times under the likes of Marco Silva where even when we were winning games, it didn't really seem to be anything coming after that. Whereas, you know, we know that Ancelotti doesn't particularly have a style, you know, like you might attach to, to Pep Guardiola or, or Jurgen Klopp, but, you know, we know he sets up a team to, to go out and win every game. And I think that's what Everton needs. And if we can get at the very least, Europa League next season and attract a higher calibre of player, have a little bit more money in the bank, then it, it's going to be exciting times for, for Evertonians and, it, and it's it's what it's what they deserve after, you know, sticking by the team through some pretty grim uh, performances and, and, and stuff over the last few years. So, yeah, a good 12 months overall and, and hoping for a, an even better 12 months after this. Prenna, would I be fair to summarise your your reaction to what Carlo said in our interview was as you fully embracing the ambition of uh, of his words? Hundred percent. I love his positivity. Um, if it just reads out those that, that sentence again, almost repeating what you said earlier. But to hear an Everton manager say something like, "The target for next season will be to reach the top four in the Premier League," and I think you actually wrote Ancelotti says without hesitation. And when you're in the top four, you're able to fight for the top four. It means at least you can fight for the title. Now, you know, you don't hear Emerson managers speak with that level of ambition very often. I'm struggling to think of the last time we had a manager actually speak as positively as that. Um, I don't think Joe, Joe Royal never certainly talked about winning the league. Uh, so, you know, you could be going back to the days of Howard. So, but Emerson should be talking about things like that. This is a club that's won nine league titles in the club's history, five FA Cups, one European trophy. We should be talking and thinking as ambitiously as that. And the fact that we've got a manager that has come in and has spoken as ambitiously as that uh, is, you know, it's music to my ears. But the fact that it's Carlo Ancelotti saying it as well means that it doesn't get mocked. You know, so if, you know, for argument's sake, David Moyes, you know, so when he turned up at Manchester United, I win, that's what I do. And, uh, you know, so West Ham, where it's, you know, come out with some other kind of phrase. And people sneered about it because he hasn't got a track record in English football of winning things. So people are saying, really? Well, you know, so where, where's your evidence to back up that claim? Whereas Carlo has got evidence to back up that claim. He has won things at every football club he's been at virtually. Um, you know, he's created football clubs uh, from scratch. Um, so, 
you know, people don't mock. People think, well, okay, you know, so maybe he does believe that. And he's got the backing as well at boardroom level. You know, he's allowed to spend, you know, sort of what he wants to spend. And he's already showed that he can bring in top quality players. I mean, James Rodriguez, you know, so Alan Decore, he's only effectively had one, you know, sort of transfer window and it's been very, very successful. So if we see another, you know, similar, you know, slew of signings, maybe not in January, but maybe next summer again, you'll see, you know, incremental improvements again. So that's why I'm so pleased to see it. You know, I was, I was generally heart, genuinely heartened, you know, sort of to read that um, because he's an elite level manager and he's talking about Everton as being an elite level football club again. And it's been a bit too long since we've been talking like that. Gav, you text me uh, interesting comments from Carlo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those, those comments that Tano alluded to. There, I thought they were um, quite comforting, and I, I, I thought exactly that. That it's one thing somebody saying him who's come up from the championship or whatever. It's another thing when Carlo says, you know, says it, you know, because I've been in the top four like twenty seasons in my career or whatever it is. So I think I think that's that's that was good to say. I think I, you know me, and, and I still have reservations, but I'm not going to go into that. I was I had reservations for Carlo joined, as you know, when I expressed yeah. on the on the on the podcast, and I still do. But one of them was that did he have real ambition for Everton? Haven't was it just like another couple of million quid for his pension pot? You know, at the end of his career, but it quite clearly isn't based on that conversation and his behaviour so far in his twelve months. Is that is it? He's clearly got the the bit between his teeth. And I think, I know it sounds, you know, it sounds wrong, but the whole environment over the last 12 months off the pits has, has made the, the appointments work a little bit better, I think, because said you over the summer, I think at the moment, and I think even over the next year or two, I think if you're an experienced manager who's had 20 years on, on the clock, it's going to be enormously beneficial for you managing in the current environment. Now what we're talking about here, injuries, managing players, man management, all that type of stuff. I think if you, if you if you've experienced twenty years, twenty five years in the dugout, that's going to be enormously beneficial for you. Not just now, but going forward. As I say, I can see the fallout from what's going on at the moment. That's another couple of years. No, it's no coincidence, isn't it? Two of the better managers in the Premier League at the moment have been Mourinho, Moyes, and Ancelotti, who have probably been the three managers. You know, I know Hudson's been there, but in terms of managing top flight, you know, twenty odd years, isn't it? Mm. For each of them, and and I, I don't think that's a, a coincidence. I think I think that's because the present environment means that if you are huge experience, it's 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 going to assist your your team and your club enormously. And and mm. and, and and I think he's got a point to prove as well. I think I, I get the I get the thing that actually he wants to show he can do be successful or relatively successful without necessarily being at an elite European level club. Yes. You know, and, absolutely. And I, and I think I think that that is obviously something that he's um, he's conscious of. I think mm. I think him and Mourinho are in similar positions for me. Managers yeah. have been written off as your days have gone. You know, we've now got people like Klopp and Guardiola, and they've had a difficult time. Like a clock Guardiola Pochettino to a degree it spares. They're the future presence of coach you know, the present and future of coaching. Your days are gone. 
I think you get the impression with Carlo and Mourinho in particular are actually the quite keen to have have the last laugh in some respects. Yeah. And it does it does feel, doesn't it, given the other comments that, that Carlo gave us about he really hopes he can see through the full length of his contract because he hasn't yeah. ever since he left Milan. He's lasted two years or less, hasn't he? Every other club, you know, and some of those have been the most ruthless, ruthless football clubs on the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the only thing, the only thing that I know, Sam, Sam, you're talking about that when about uh, going forward about transfers and is the club, the club's current financial position, the sustainability mm. of it, and um, whether that will that will. Um, Hinder, hinder what he wants going forward. That's the only sort of, you know, cloud to the silver lining, as it were. Mm. But yeah, I, I think I think at the moment he, he's he's shown his experience, and that's been really beneficial for us. It's been, it's been unusual twelve months though to judge a manager by, hasn't it? Hasn't it really? You've effectively yeah. had three seasons in that time, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, indeed. indeed. Uh, we could talk. Uh, we could talk. But... All, uh, all evening about uh, Carlos' 12 months and what he said and, and his vision for the future. But we will have to sort of bring it to a close there. But before we do, it is obviously, of course, customary predictions time. Uh, Sam, I'll start with you. Everton versus Arsenal, Saturday evening, 5.30. How do you see it going? Sure, I'm confident. And I I think I'm right before the ball's even been kicked. 4 nil. It's always a first time for everything. 4 nil. <laughs> wow. 4 nil. Wow. Sophies. Richarlison first goal. You heard it. You heard it right here first. Right. Go on, rationalise it. Why four 0 I've just, I just genuinely well, you don't blind get blind optimism. <laughs> you don't get this feeling Evertonian much, but we are better than them. And and okay. I think fans back in big game, big way to kind of kick on before that United Court final. And I think if if we get in the faces nice and early, we could we could do a number on them like we've done a couple of times over the past few years. So. Big, big scoring. I'm going to back it up and I'm going to put a little, little bet on it before the game, I think. I think uh, with, with the club's new Colombian betting partner with that, Sam, or announced I think Sam makes a good point, though, Preno. You know, and, and I experienced it first, you know, sort of in the flesh, the return of supporters. I mean, yeah. I know it was 2000 and I know maybe there's a bit, you know, a little bit of emotion in, 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 in my piece after the game and maybe got a touch carried away, but it made such a difference. And, you know, it was going to be 2,000 different supporters in there tomorrow night. And I just think Arsenal are probably thinking this is the worst time to come in that respect. In the current situation, if, we'd, if you know, if they'd have been to Goodison when there was nobody in, they probably would have fancied it. They'd fancied getting out of this run of form. But, you know, I think it's going to make a massive difference. How do you see it going? Well, well, I was very, very pleasantly surprised uh, the impact that the crowd had. I mean, I spoke before the game and said that it's going to be negligible. You know, so it's, it's only 2,000. What difference can it make? But, you know, obviously I was watching it on television rather than inside the stadium. But it did physically make a difference. You could tell that the players were lifted by it. You could tell it was having an impact. Maybe not the impact that, you know, so an absolutely, you know, howling, wailing, you know, 40,000 bear pit would have. But it was still... An impact and so that will have a difference again on Saturday night um, I'm optimistic and I'm going to claim credit uh, for the clean sheet last week because I said on the podcast that there's no way on God's earth we're keeping a clean sheet so I got it hopefully hopelessly wrong people on social media very kindly pointed that out to me 
Uh, so I said it again before the Leicester game. I was like, right, well, I'll say we're not keeping a clean sheet on Wednesday. And sure enough, we did. So I don't want to tempt fate. So there is no way on God's earth we're keeping a clean sheet on Saturday. So we're going to win 3-1. 3-1. 3-1. Very good. Gav? I didn't expect to hear 4 on Ellen. 3-1. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm going to have Sam score and go with 2-0. Because I think, right, we're in better form. Looking at team. Looking like, I don't think, is that start? We've not had a shot, can, shot on target against us in the second half of the last two two matches. Something um, like that, or very, very few indeed. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not, not, had, not had three three clean sheets on the spin in the Premier League under Ancelotti. You know, I, I think uh, I think 2-0 to the Mighty Blues. i tell you what, Richarlison to score as well. I think yeah. he'll, uh, he'll go on. I, I've just fancied him for a bit of a hot streak. Yeah. I was going to say, for Arsenal, that, aside with the quality of players like Aubameyang and Lacazette and Pepe in there, their average goals scored this season, 0.85 goals a game. That They can't yeah. score to save their lives. So, you know, that yeah. contributed, you know, also coinciding with Everson's newfound defensive resilience. I think Gavin could be on the right lines there. I certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think we may concede, but I don't see us coming unstuck. I think I think we'll win two one. I think maybe, as as uh, some of you guys have alluded to, I sense there may be a tweak in the team and the formation to be a little bit more adventurous. You know, at home to a struggling Arsenal does not necessarily require the same sort of formation as uh, playing Chelsea and Leicester. So I, I think it would be a little bit more of an open game, but I think we will will come through two one. Okay, good stuff, chaps. Thank you very much for your company and thank you very much for listening. Of stick with us across uh, the weekend. Tomorrow evening, myself and Sam will be in the ground to cover the game. So uh, stay with us uh, for all the best news, analysis and reaction. Uh, thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.